Amen. Thanks, Pastor Chase. Yeah, we're going through the book of Malachi verse by verse on Wednesday. So, you got what? You just called me Pastor Chase. I just kind of lost Did I call you Pastor Chase? Man, I'm gone a week and I'm losing it already. Um, I'm going to have to watch the video because I don't believe you all. You're all telling me. I do believe you. I'm getting old. Kids, you guys can. That's pretty funny. I can make some comments about hair or lack of, but uh, kids, you guys can be dismissed. Um, you go to the, <laughs> who knows what I'm going to say today already, um, but I just want to say thank you for being here. Thank you so much. If you're visiting for the first time, thank you so much for coming. And um, yeah, we live in a, a crazy time period in our, in our nation, in our world. And for me, it's a little exciting. Uh, I, I don't, you know, I like comfort. I like things to be smooth. But as I read the Bible and talk about the end times and all the things that are going on, um, it is a time that we're living. I believe that the end is getting closer. Amen. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, today is one day closer than yesterday. And there's a clock ticking down. And God is in complete control. You, just, you need to know that. And as Christians, it's not something that you need to be freaked out by. Amen. Because God's, God's got this. And so um, I want to just tell you a little story before we get into the message. And the message actually, most of you know if you didn't, um, my older brother Mike uh, was diagnosed with uh, a brain tumor. And um, the doctors say it's not good, but I know God is bigger, you know, and he's a doctor. So he's kind of a, he looks from that, that perspective. But most of you know, if you've been here a while, that I had a miracle with my leg when I was a kid, that, that my leg was shorter and it grew out instantly. God, when the guy prayed for it, and there's no doctor in this world that would say your leg could grow out over an inch in a matter of seconds. Amen. So I've seen the miracle in my own body. I know God can do great miracles. And, um, but this message kind of culminates out of a conversation I had with my brother. Uh, so I just need your permission just to more, more like talk like in a family setting, like this is a living room and I'm just going to talk a little bit. I don't feel like preaching today. Um, I might get a little preach on me, but I just don't feel like yelling at nobody today. Is that all right? As if I yell at you every week anyway, but, uh, but I just want to share some things that I believe that got put on my heart. And so it's going to be a little bit different than normal, but I want to, first of all, just tell you a little story about a trip that I Chris took to now I've got to make sure I name my wife correctly, if I'm calling John Pastor Chase. Uh, now, me and Veronica went, no. Um, so me and Chris went to Hawaii. I think it was our second time uh, we went to Hawaii, and we, you know, flight was great. We were excited, and, you know, I had never wanted to go. My dad talked us into it the first year, and I ate crow, not literally, the whole time. Like, it was so much fun, so we got to go back again. And so we thought we had our, our reservation for the rental car booked. And, you know, so we're all excited. We get there. We're, it's Hawaii. I mean, it's nice. And we're excited. We get up to the counter and we're getting our reservation. And she's like, you don't have a car reserved. I'm like, no, I know we do. We do have a car reserved. I know I did it online. And so they didn't have anything. And we looked in our email. There was no email confirmation. And we know we had looked at it. And we know we booked it or thought we booked it. And there was, there was no reservation. And so when you don't have a reservation, they can charge you basically whatever they want. Well, fortunately, they only charge 100 bucks more for the week than original. But I can guarantee you from, from that experience, every time we've been since, we have this baby right here. It's like, no, I have the number. I talked to George. I, this, is, this is how much we're going to pay. Um, and this is the slip of our last charge. When you get to heaven or when you die... Your reservation better be 
<laughs> you better have it, okay? Because heaven and hell are real places, okay? There's only two destinations that you can end up. You can end up in heaven or you can end up in hell. There's no in-between. There's no purgatory. There's no working your way out of it. Now, the Bible is very clear that once you take your last breath, your decision's made. And so I know that sounds a little bit heavy, but the title of my message today is called Terminal, and when I was talking to my, my brother, and again, he's probably, you know, I, I, he's just has this positive attitude. He's always been a pretty positive person. And as I was talking to him about it, um, he said, man, he goes, don't, don't worry about me. He said, you know, he goes, you could get hit by a truck tomorrow. I was just, I'm like, yeah, I know, but I don't want to. Um, and, and so his, he's like, I have, man, he says, I have not been cheated. That was his words. I do not feel cheated. You know, we're believing God for a miracle. I'm, I'm praying every day. I'm going to fight to the end. And I believe that God, you know, is going to have his way and his will. And so um, what I want to talk today is about the emotions that you go through when, when everything you believe gets tested. Everything that you grew up with. And my parents taught us from a young age to love Jesus with all our hearts. And my brother loves Jesus. So that's not a concern. Eternity is not a concern as to where, where he's going. He, he loves Jesus. Uh, but it's dealing with the human emotion in between. And a lot of you in our church family have experienced this type of life-altering, okay, I, I know what I've been taught. I know what I believe. But when it really hits the fan and rubber hits the road, where's my faith now? Am I going to... Is it going to be shaken? Uh, and I believe that sometimes our faith can be shaken, but it doesn't have to be broken. And so that's where my heart is today. And uh, there's a scripture that I read over and over again when we were in Salt Lake. Um, so the, the word terminal, a lot of us think, well, that's the end. The term, you know, terminal terminates. But I want you to, to look at it from a standpoint of an airport. When you go to a terminal, what, is that the end? Or it's the, is it the beginning of a trip? And that's how I want us to look at it. And so I think the, I think the picture has an airport terminal. Oh, you can barely see it. Um, and so there's a jet in that. So I want us to think about it as an airport terminal. You have gate A or gate B. Anybody ever missed their flight? Like you were running because you thought you had time. Um, and we've had moments where, you know, delays got us. And it's like, okay, you're at the right gate. And, uh, and you have, you know, five minutes to get to a gate that's 10 minutes away. I don't know why airports do that, but they do. They, they like... They like chaos airports, I think. Uh, does we think airports like chaos? Because they make your gateway, like, who, who plans that? What engineer goes, hey, yeah, I think we should make them run five miles to get to the next flight in five minutes. Somebody's not thinking correctly. So our, uh, the definition, again, uh, of terminal isn't what we think of, because we think of terminal as being the end. So this, this definition, or this title actually came from a conversation I had with my brother that, that this isn't it. This isn't it. You know, the, 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 this flesh is going to die. Every single one of us, we either get raptured or we will face death. Okay, And so I, I want us to have, a, I guess, a message of hope today. So it's a message really about perspective, because our world is in a weird place. It really is. It's, it's okay, you, you, can't, you can't go to church together because you're too close to each other. But if you want to riot, go ahead. Just make sure you wear a mask so they don't know who threw the brick, okay? Um, there, th- we're in a weird place in this world, okay? Now, be safe, all right? If you're at risk, man, take precautions. Absolutely. I'm not making fun of that. But what I'm saying is, is there can be some things that seem to be backwards, 
in our lives. Um, you know, my wife's at risk, and she's got one lung, so, you know, and we all know that. So there's there are precautions that we take to be safe, and I think that's smart. Um, but my question for you is, is are you, pre- pre- are you taking precautions spiritually? Are you protecting yourself from those things that could take you the other direction of what God wants you to go? Are, are we taking more precautions against, you know, something physical than we are something spiritual? Um, and so Paul here, he's in this, this place where he knows that his life is going to end. I mean, he's been in prison. He writes a lot of his letters from prison. So he's going to share some thoughts with us um, about the end. So we know that if we could experience heaven for just a few moments, you would be jealous of those who got there first. You would. If you got to go and you're like, whoa, and then you had to come back to earth, you'd be like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get on that jet and fly home to true paradise and live there, okay? And, and so Paul knows this, but at the same time, he's human, and he has these human emotions that life hurts sometimes. And so I wanted to, to talk about that just for a little bit. There's this emotional element of losing someone that you love that hurts us. And that's okay because that's how God made us. On one hand, we know heaven is great. On the other hand, we don't want them to go because we love them. Okay, it's this weird thing of, yeah, heaven is the goal. That's the end game. No more pain, no more crying, no more tears, no more disease. Uh, everybody will be six foot tall and have all ten toes, okay? Or maybe we'll all have eight. We get there, you'll find out that four was perfection. Um, you never know. But there's this weird emotion that we deal with. So emotion is one of those things that you can't explain. Um, I wrote here, and I'm not a huge Star, Star Trek person, but I know a little bit about Spock. It would be easier to be Spock. Spock has no emotion. He's just completely logical. Okay, everything is logic. But, but logical isn't always fun. Emotion is fun. When my wife comes in and she's looking hot, I don't want to just be logical and go, oh, you look hot. I want to be like, whoa, you look hot. I want some emotion. Right? I want, and I do feel some emotion when she comes in looking hot. Um, right? I don't want to be Spock and go, oh, yep, I'm married. That's my wife. She's hot. And go back to whatever it is. I want to, to be emotional uh, about what she looks like or who she is as a person. Um, and she's beautiful inside and out. I want to have emotion, but emotion also stinks sometimes. Because when life hurts, it's like the emotions take over. So Paul, again, we're going to go through some things that he writes from that perspective. Um, to truly enjoy the emotion of victory, you have to know the emotion of losing. You have to know what it's like to lose, I think, to really enjoy a victory. Okay? You have to become a Giants fan to know what it's like to win World Series and then lose the rest of forever, it seems like, which it really hasn't been. Dodger fans the same way, right? You know what... What, what winning is, but you also have to know what losing is. And, and now I just want to watch baseball. I don't care who wins or loses. I just want to watch a game. Uh, and so there's this thing, often to appreciate life, you have to experience death. Yeah, I've done in 30 years of ministry, 29 years, uh, I've done so many funerals. And funerals are like this time where people are really thinking about, where is my life? Like the, 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 this is... There's something else, okay, because we will all pass away what, what it lies beyond that. But I don't want us today, and here's, again, something my brother told me. Uh, we don't have to appreciate life. It, or, I'm sorry. We have to experience death in order to appreciate life. We need to appreciate every day that God's given us. 
and that was my conversation with him, is he was just telling me, he says, man, don't feel sorry for me. He goes, don't feel sorry for me. And again, I'm believing for a miracle. I'm going to go down fighting. Um, and, and sometimes what I know in life, and I didn't share this first, so I'm going to share it with you. I was asking God, I said, God, so with healings, because we look at the New Testament, we see all these people that were healed. A lot of the people that were healed were the ones who were asking for it. Like they said, Jesus, please, you know, touch me, touch me, touch me. So I said, Lord, do you have, do you, have to, you yourself believe that it's going to happen for you to be healed? And he, it was like God said, no. He goes, think about the stories where a father came and asked Jesus to heal his son. Or the, the centurion asked, hey, I have a servant that needs to be healed. He's home. Lord Jesus, would you just speak the word? And in all those instances, the person was healed that didn't even ask for it. It was the, the father or the, the centurion or the master that asked on behalf of somebody. And so it was like God said, no, you, there can be somebody who's not seeking the miracle actively that can get one because you asked. And I thought, okay, thanks, Lord. That's, that's cool. Because, um, again, it's just one of those perspectives of we're just going to keep praying for a miracle. So the perspective I'm hoping to give us today is to appreciate and enjoy each day God has given us. And that's, again, the conversation I had with Mike was he was just telling me, man, the stuff that he's been able to do, just he traveled Mexico when he was in high school or college. I mean, just traveled and hiked around, went to Europe. I mean, he just did all kinds of stuff, uh, went helicopter skiing um, a couple months back. And, and he just says, I, have, I, I do not feel cheated. You know, what a, what a great perspective. Okay. It's a man who has his, his life right with the Lord. He has his life right to not feel cheated. Now, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, but I'll feel cheated. So, you know, again, you, you had to tell me I get hit by my, I might get hit by a truck tomorrow. Um, I don't, you know, I didn't drive. I'm like, what are you saying? Um, he, what he's saying was, is that, that every day that we're to live the day as if it could be our last and that's what I love about my brother. He's just positive about stuff. And um, again, we're just, I'm just praying for a miracle. So, so I've always said this, um, that death is the most expected, unexpected thing that happens to us. We all know how this ends. We all know. I prefer to get raptured, you know, because when I'm going up, I'm going to be like, nah, 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 nah. All right. Um, yeah, write all you want. Go burn my house now. I'm gone. Um, you know, it, when we go up, that's going to be great. But we don't know when that's going to happen or if. But, but again, our life could end today through some unexpected thing. We, we just don't know. And so we need to live each day as if, hey, it could be our last. So it's the most expected, unexpected thing that happens. Um, when my grandma passed in, I, I think I showed the, the video. And she was just ready to go. I mean, she was in her upper 80s and she had lived her life. She lived with Jesus every day. You'd go visit her and she just loved Jesus. I mean, that was like, she was just like ready to go home. And so she's in her hospital bed and she's singing this song. I think she made it up. She's like, I'm ready to go to heaven. She's just bebopping and, and I have it on video on my phone. And I also have my last, her last voicemail that she left me after I cut her some firewood. And um, just a sweet lady. And she just, she just was waiting to go home. She's like, I just want to go home. And so my brother, Mike, was actually the one that was with her when she went to be with Jesus. Um, and so she spent every day with Jesus looking forward to go home. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to have this expectation, like getting to talk to somebody on the phone that you're in love with and you finally get to meet them. I think that's how we need to look at heaven. Okay? Or someone who orders a mail order bride and they're out for delivery. Like that expectation, like <laughs> getting it. And, uh, you know, there's this expectancy that, that God wants us to have to meet with him. That's how we need to be, amen? Not like, oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid to go, I'm afraid to go. No, we need to look forward and say, heaven is heaven. 
It's inexpressible. It's, it's better. And that's where Paul's at today. So I want to get into Paul's heart. Of course, he's at mentally, physically, he's getting beat up wherever he goes, just for loving Jesus. But mentally, he's going to share some things that he gained through experience. And I'll tell you something. I will listen to you when you've had experience over some things, um, as opposed to somebody who hasn't. So you're not guaranteed tomorrow, and this should determine how you live today. And I hope we're all living for Christ today. Uh, and this, again, this is where Apostle Paul is. He knows his life could end every day. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4 we're not going to go through all the verses, but we're going to go through um, some of the ones that, that relate to what we're talking about. Now, the Apostle Paul was known because somebody wrote about him that he, he's, he's wordy. I use the word wordy. He uses a lot of words. So if you get confused as to what I'm saying, don't worry, I'm with you. Like, he, cause I have, but I have to read the context um, because he uses a lot of words. I think it was Peter that says, yeah, we, I know he uses a lot of words. It says, therefore... Since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. And that was, that's important for Paul to say. Life has just been hard for him. He says, but we don't lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We don't use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, like the nightly news, setting forth the truth plainly, see if you're all listening, um, just so y'all know it's not true, a lot of it. All right. Um, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, the word of God is truth. Okay, it's always true. It does not need an update. It is not like an app on your phone that needs to be updated or changed. God's word is God's word. It stays the same. It stays the same, and it's not going to change. And woe to us who try to change it to make us say what we want it to say, or that says you know what it says, but that's not what it means. The God of this age, verse four, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. So that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And I believe that, that spiritually, there's a lot of people in America right now that are blinded by the truth. They're blinded by things. They, they want a type of society that just will not work. Okay? They, they will not work. I saw one guy, a protester, who's waving the anarchy flag. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I, I like anarchy as long as I'm in charge. As long as you do it. But what is anarchy? Anarchy is nobody's in charge. That can't happen. Why? Because one human will always rise to the top. You know, I'm in charge of anarchy. If you don't follow me, then we kill you. Well, is that the true definition of anarchy? Anarchy is just nothing. Anarchy is crazy, just so you know. If you don't believe me, run a daycare. Um, it can be anarchy, right? People need control, right? We need that because we go nuts without it. The God of the sages is blind to the minds of unbelievers. I think that's where we're at today. That there's a lot of spiritual things going on in our, our world, in our country especially, that we as Christians need to be aware of. Okay, Guys, this is not just a political unrest thing. This is a spiritual battle that people are being incited to do a lot of crazy things. And we have to be in prayer. We have to pray for our leaders, You know, both with our city up to our president. I believe we need to do that. It's our responsibility. But the God of the sages has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they can't even see correctly. They can't see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves um, as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. Okay, jars of clay meaning it's just a temporary thing. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. And the next two verses are the ones we're going to park on. For we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, 
but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive will always be given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And he's just saying here that this flesh is not destined to live on this earth. You know, one of the greatest acts of mercy God had on us besides Jesus on the cross was kicking Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Biggest act of mercy. Why is that? Because they, they ate of the tree of what? knowledge of good and evil, if they would have been able to eat the tree of life, this physical body would have lived forever. And that would not be any fun. Because I want to be like 6'2". Okay? So I have a chance. I do. I have a chance. I think the perfect body is going to be like 6'2". Um, I'm just guessing. How many all 6'2"? What's that feel like? Perfect. Perfect? Okay, that's what I thought. Uh, <laughs> I was expecting an answer like that. Um, but I don't want to change now because I would have to buy new clothes and I don't want to do that because that would cost money. I'd rather buy tools or guns or something. Um, and so anyhow, as, as we live in this body knowing that it's deteriorating, the moment you were conceived was the moment that you started dying. Isn't that a weird? It's, I mean, again, I'm not here to be morbid. I'm here to be real because I think in church sometimes we skirt around the things. You know, everything we live for is for our moment of death so that we can be with Christ. That's what we're living for. So it's not just religion. It's actually this relationship that, that means something. All right? So the Apostle Paul's got a couple things to say. First of all, he's, he gets beat up everywhere he goes, simply for speaking about his faith in Jesus. And yet he pens what he did. Uh, he was stoned and left for dead. All right? He got drug out of a sim. They thought he was dead. He'd been shipwrecked three times. I'm like, once is enough for me because I saw Jaws. Yeah. I don't even, actually, not even once. Zero shipwrecks for me would be great. Okay, I, I get freaked out swimming in my dad's ranch pond because there's got to be something in there bigger than me. All right, there's bass, but there's got to be something lurking around. And I and I have to promise you, if ever I jump in the pond, I'm swimming around thinking something's going to bite my leg. Okay, I'm going to lose another toe. This is going to be bad. Okay, not not going to be good. I don't know. Again, Jaws is not a good thing to watch unless you want your kids to stay away from water. Then maybe it's a good point. All right. But life is going to end as we know it. But the thing is, is heaven is so much better than you can even imagine. And, and Paul has been there. That's the thing. So he's writing these words. He's pinning these words down. He's already experienced paradise. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about that, about that next week. Um, he, he says in a couple of chapters, he says, I know a guy who 14 years ago basically went to paradise. He's talking about himself writing in the first person. And, and he says, I can't even, words can't explain what I heard. He said, it is unbelievable. So Paul has a different perspective than, than we do because most of us have probably never been there. Now, my grandma, Ivaline, before she passed, uh, she actually did pass one time and she experienced the out-of-body thing and she was above her. She's telling me, she's like, oh, I've been to heaven. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I've been there. I was like, oh yeah, I went to the store. I went to Costco last week. Um, and she's like, oh, I've been there. And so she, she said as she was lying on her bed, she saw herself. She saw her neighbor coming across the street, go into her house and like called 911 and my grandma's watching the whole thing. So she had like zero fear. She's like, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Paul had this same thing. Paul saw things that he said, I can't even describe. So he's got a little bit up on us. Um, and, uh, and he also had no family to speak of. I mean, we know he wasn't married. He, he was saved at probably 18 or 19 years old. Um, and he became a Pharisee, but he never got married, never had close family. So he's talking as to, 
to me, it's like, okay, you don't have a lot to lose when you leave. Whereas most of us have family. We have that emotion of, of, of a mom or dad or kids. Um, so he's got this advantage here. Um, he'd already experienced but That's found in 2 Corinthians 12 too. Uh, we'll talk about it next week. So here's this weird emotion that he's facing. He knows of the fact of the heavenly destination, and yet the reality of physical human emotion and physical pain at the same time. So he knows what awaits, but he's also like, this is bad. It's like if you've had a kid, you know, uh, the birth is going to be bad. You have the child, the child's beautiful, but you know what you have to go through to get the second one. I believe that if God, ladies, if God was to give you the, a day of labor pains before your conception of having a kid, if, if you're like, God, what's it like? Well, let me, let me give you a day of what it's like to be pregnant. Nine months. Okay. You probably would slip in separate bedrooms. So you'd be like, yeah, yeah, no, we're good. I'm not going to have any kids. Uh, but God doesn't give us that experience before we have the experience. Probably because we wouldn't go through the experience. And in life, God's not going to tell you everything that lies ahead. Why? Because you probably wouldn't want to go through it. But to go through some things, you have to, to go through it to grow through it. And really, growth is what we're all about. So he's Dylan, Paul's just got this emotional thing going on here, which I love because I can relate to it. So he says this, first thing, let's park on this. He says, we're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Do you ever watch Star Wars in that moment where they're in the trash compactor? It's like they're in this big old battle firefight and they open up this thing, they jump in and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, we're safe. And then something moves under the water, right? And then they're looking around and all of a sudden Luke goes under. Right? It's literally it gets dragged under by some big old lizard creature or snake creature. Uh, we'll call it an eel. All right? Space eel. It gets him, drags him under. They're like, hey, we escaped the firefight. And now we're struggling. And what's going on? And, and just when they think that that's bad, they hear this clunking sound. And what happens? The walls start closing in. Right? And it's going. And they're like, okay, firefight, giant sea creature. Now we're getting crushed. And I think that's where Paul is here. He says, life crushes you, son. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. Why is that? Because we have a God that's going to protect us from getting crushed. So if we live with this idea that life is not going to hurt, we're going to be highly disappointed. Because life does hurt. Life does have pain. Life is not fun a lot of the time. And that might be where you are today in a spot that you just feel like you're in that trash can. It's like, okay, God, you saved me from the firefight. You saved me from the creature. Now we got this. When does it stop? Well, it stops when R2-D2 puts his little thing and starts spinning things around, right? What happened? They had to call R2-D2, and, you know, and it's kind of like, to me, it's like prayer. It's like, okay, God, you see what's happening. This isn't fun. God, would you please help me? And God will always answer. He will always, it might be down to the wire, but God will always answer us, okay? We don't have to be crushed by the things of life. You see, if you don't think life is going to hurt, you will live in disappointment. And living in the land of disappointment is never a good place. Some of you got married with the idea. (laughs) Do I even have to continue? (laughs) That there was not going to be any disappointment? That life is, marriage is always going to be romantic? That he's always going to come home with flowers and always smell good. You know, after about two weeks of it, you're just, yeah, whatever, thanks, right? Because if you get something all the time that you kind of take the the value out of it. If you have this idea that marriage is just going to be this wonderful thing, that's not reality. 
And that's why some people jump from relationship to relationship to relationship because they're chasing the in love feeling. And the in love feeling is not real. Okay? It's not real to have it all the time. There are times in marriage when you love each other, but you don't like each other. And if you've been married very long, you understand what I'm saying. It's like, I love you, but I don't like you right now because you were just mean to me, right? That's just, that's just, that's reality. And hopefully understand you can have an amazing marriage like my wife and I do. And there's times where you don't like what the other person did. You're like, that's really annoying. It was cute when we weren't married, but I don't like it now. So they're always like, oh, she's always late. She's always, and it's like, hey, so you get separate cars. That's, that's how it works, right? There's things that, that I did that my wife probably thought was kind of cute, like my sarcasm. Like when you're, not, when you're dating, oh, I just love you because you're so funny. Now it's like, will you shut up? You're really bothering me, okay? It's this criticism of yours. You're always critical. Okay? It's like, whoa, you liked it before. What happened? Right? Well, I liked it before to get you, okay? That's how we do. We, we, we do that to each other. It's like this little trick. And, and so some people, again, they, they, they think that, that our relationship always needs to have romantic feelings, and that's not reality. It's the same thing in our walk with God. We expect God to do everything he want, we want him to do. And when he does it, we think, well, you must not love me. Well, that's not the truth. It's like a kid saying, well, if you, unless you do everything that I want you to do as a parent, you don't love me. No, I, I, I just whooped your tail because I love you. Okay? I just disciplined you because I just took that phone that I pay for because I love you. Or just because I wanted to, right? I think sometimes you should take it from them just to show them who's boss. Shut off their data plan. You all think everybody got really quiet. You're all too scared to, aren't you? All right, you don't take that thing. All right, hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Life's like that sometimes. Number two, perplexed. Okay. I love that word, perplexed, like confused, but not in despair. I love this one because Paul's confused about something. He knows the end game, but he's human. See, there's things happening in his life that he just doesn't get. Think about all the miracles Paul did for people, and now he's in need of one. Now, is my wife in here? Hey, baby. I love you. I got to tell a story that I told first service, and I swore them to secrecy that if they told my wife that I told the story, that I was going to deny everything, and they'd be banned from the church. Um, now, in our marriages, we have these things about perplexity. And, and there was something that I got confused about. I, I was perplexed the other night uh, when I got home. Travis and I, Travis and I went bear hunting Friday evening, got home kind of late. My wife's got the backyard, just flowers. It's beautiful. It looks great. So we get home, Travis and I, and, uh, and for some reason I go outside. And, and I walk out and I went, whoa, man, she's, this looks great. You know, if you've been to our house, the back porch, flowers, is beautiful. And then I'm like, something's missing. Where's my barbecue? Like, my barbecue's gone. Like, you go out of my door for 14 years. You go out of my door. You take three steps. The barbecue's right here. That's, that's where you cook stuff. I guess I'm out of the screen. Sorry, guys. Um, I have a monitor to see what, see what I'm doing um, so that you can see what I'm doing. And, I'm, and we're like, the barbecue's gone. I'm thinking, look at the security footage because somebody stole my barbecue because it's a pretty nice barbecue. And Travis is going, that's, yeah, that's weird. And, 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 and so... We're perplexed. Live in the verse right here. And, and so Chris comes out and I said, babe, where's my barbecue? She's like, oh, it's around the corner. Like, not just around the corner. It's like right behind the house, like where you would put old used tires, like around the corner, out of sight. And I'm like, babe, why? 
Well, because I wanted it to look really clean out here. Marriage moment. I'm like, it's about to get real. I'm like, that's my barbecue. Like, it's, that's where it goes. That's where it belongs. And she's like, well, I didn't think it would be too much farther to walk around. I'm like, it's a long ways and it's in the rain and it's not, you know, my barbecue is under a cover. And I'm like, I said, that is the weirdest thing you have done in 27 years of marriage. I am perplexed. I don't understand. I can understand the Barbie car that Kayla has, you know, we can put that somewhere. Uh, But my barbecue? I said, it would be like me going into your kitchen going, yeah, I don't like where the range is at, so I'm going to put it out in the garage. She's like, that is not the same. I'm like, it is too, as a good illustration. I'm, I'm perplexed. And, and so, I don't know if you ever had one of those moments. I'm like, this could go south really fast. And she's like, her, her whole demeanor changes. She's like, don't start a fight with me. And I was like, I, yeah, probably not a good idea. It's 11 o'clock at night. Um, here's why I tell the story. There's things that I do that my wife could come up here and tell you the same thing, and she needs to preach sometime soon because she does a good job at it, that I just confuse her, perplex her, like, why did he do that? Why did he say that? That just doesn't make any sense. Here's my point. There are things in life that God moves that you're used to, and he moves them for a reason. She was making it prettier, making it nicer aesthetically looking, and there was a reason why she did it. She didn't go, oh, I'm going to get him. When he gets home, he's going to be confused. All right. No, she did it because she wanted it to look better. There's things that God moves in our life that we may not agree with, but he needs to do it so that things are better. Okay. Now, the barbecue is back under the cover of patio. It is, it is in a spot where she wants it now. It's at the far end where you don't walk out, and there it is. Um, that's a song, right? Oh, there it is. Um, no, there's not. Okay. Where's my barbecue? So I'm going to write a book called Who Moved My Barbecue? <laughs> the old book, Who Moved My Cheese? You probably heard about it. God has to move some things that you're used to and that you actually like to have in order for things to look better in your life. So now we know that the Holy Spirit actually spoke to my wife so I could tell you a funny story about our marriage. Now, what did he say here? Perplexed, but what? Not in despair. When I found out she moved my barbecue, I was perplexed and like, why? But I didn't go, oh, marriage is over. <laughs> that was the final thing, right? Then we're done. What happened? You don't care about my barbecue. No, I didn't get in despair. I didn't think this is the end of our marriage. I could have thought, yeah, this could be a fight, right? But I chose to go, okay, I have to get in. What, what was she thinking? And she said, I just wanted it to look cleaner. Okay, well, that's a good reason, okay? I didn't like the method, but it's a good reason, okay? So let's, let's find a happy medium, and it's, again, it's in a good spot now. Are you okay with God moving some stuff in your life so that things will look better? I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Should I be? Yeah, but I don't want to be. That's where Paul's at, guys. So I want you to understand that if you're here, the apostle Paul was here, the man who wrote half the New Testament, God wrote through him, but he penned half the New Testament, that if Paul can be in this place, you can be in this place and still be right with Jesus. You can be emotional, you can be confused, you can feel like life is crushing around you and still be right with God. Still have faith to believe that God's gonna get you through it. 
That's why I love getting into the heart of the author to say this guy was emotional too. I mean, he had these emotions of he knew what life was like at the end, but he has to go through stuff now. Paul knows the end game. Now think about the miracles again that, that God did through Paul. And now he needs one himself. There's a point in the Bible where he, he, he says, God has given me a thorn in the flesh. We don't know what that was. Most people think it was his eyesight because we believe he has bad eyesight because he talked about, hey, see, I wrote this in my own hand. Um, and it could have happened when he was blinded, when he was Saul going to persecute Christians. God, Jesus met him on the road and he was blind for a while. So it could have been a residual thing from that. We don't know for sure. Um, but what we do know is he said, I pleaded with God for three, three times to take it from me. And God said, no, my power is made perfect in your weakness. And here was Paul's response was, okay, God, I trust you. So I don't need to understand. I guess I'm just going to have to deal with this thorn, whatever it is. You don't owe me anything. That was how Paul lived. Is God, you don't owe me anything. You gave me the cross. You gave me Jesus. You gave me a second chance. You don't owe me anything. And we really need to live life with that attitude is the world doesn't owe me anything. And again, that's what, I mean, my brother, I'm close to him and I love him, but that's, that's his heart was God doesn't owe me anything. He gave me Jesus. That's enough, right? Now, Paul was not living in despair because despair is complete hopelessness. And that is a very bad place to be. Number three, he said, I'm persecuted, but not abandoned. I'm just trying to obey you, God, and I'm doing what you've asked, and I keep getting beat up for it. <laughs> that was like Paul's life. Everywhere he went, he got beat. He had scars from being whipped and flogged. And poor guy. I mean, he, his, his body was just beat to a pulp, and he bore the scars of Christ. Just doing what you asked, God, and I kept getting beat up for it. You see, what God is doing in you is more important than what he is doing for you. What he's doing in you is more important than what he's doing for you. Number four, he said, I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. Paul took some punches that knocked him to the ground, and he's lying on this floor of this boxing ring called life because the enemy has beaten him up, and he's lying, he's bruised, he's broken, and he's bleeding, but he's got a trainer that says, Paul, come here into the corner, man, let me give you some rest because there's some more fighting to do. And Paul has this attitude that, you know, yeah, I may be down, but I'm not out. And that might be where you're at today. You might feel like that. Like, man, I'm just laying on the floor of life going, I don't know what happened. I had a punch hit me that I didn't even see coming. Okay, and it's the ones that you don't see coming are often the ones that hurt the most. Okay. When I got hit last year in softball in the face, somebody threw a baseball and somebody didn't catch it. I was rounding third base and it, it, I stood for about a second and then I fell over. And then uh, I, I was told I was knocked out, but I have no residual effects of that. Okay. Is that right, Pastor Chase? Right. <laughs> you see, it's those things you don't see coming that often hurt the worst, especially if they're from somebody you love, especially from somebody that promised you things that didn't keep them. Those of you who've gone through broken relationships, you understand that. The promises were made that weren't kept. Those hurt. Those hurt. We were actually talking to Malachi on Wednesday nights about that, how, how, how painful that is from somebody who promised to love you and, and, and doesn't. But Paul here, he's like, God, you don't owe me nothing. I'm struck down, but I'm not destroyed. I'm going to get back up. I'm going to live to fight another day. You see, last week, um, I, I had the, you've heard the saying, you know, sometimes life throws you a curveball. It's a good saying. And last week I posted this. My thought was, you know, sometimes you get the curveball, but sometimes you downright get beaned by a fastball. Right? At least a curveball doesn't hit you. 
Okay, a curveball makes you jump back, but but it but it misses you most of the time. But a, a fastball hitting you, you don't have a chance to get out of the way. And again, that might be where you're at today. That you've got hit by a foul. Well, it's just a curveball. I'd much rather have a curveball and, and have it miss than a fastball and get beaned. There are times in life you do get beaned, and there is marks on you. There's pain. There is there's scars. And again, Paul's just saying, what do you do when that happens? What he doesn't want you to do is lose heart. So prioritize your life now while it matters. Okay, be right with Jesus. You're not guaranteed your next breath. You're not guaranteed that. Okay, today could be our day. But I want to share this second to last thought that I believe God spoke to me as I was reading through the scripture down in uh, my brother's house, um, just kind of a family going through this thing. And here's what I heard from God, that, that God is good because that's his character. That whether we get what we're praying for or not does not change that. That God is a good God. That God loves us. Whether we get the answer that we want doesn't change who he is. Doesn't change who God is. And I hope that encourages you today if you're facing whatever it is that you're facing. That God is a good God. He's good. Amen. Why is he good? Because that's his character. That's who he is. And, it's, and nothing's going to change that. That God is a good God. So we keep praying for that miracle because that's what Jesus taught us to do. And if you need a miracle today, you need to keep praying for the miracle. Jesus taught over and over again, be persistent, be persistent, be persistent, be consistent. Keep praying for the miracle. Keep praying that God would do what he needs to do in our situation. And uh, Pastor John, go ahead and come back. See, I got it right. Because if Pastor Chase walked up, then I'd be really confused. Um, he says this. It's our closing verse. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart. Okay, he says that again. We do not lose heart. It's two times that he says that. Though outwardly, we're wasting away. He said, physically, Paul's like, my body is dying. But inwardly, we are being renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And that's where Paul's at, okay? He's like, I'm going to keep fighting. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do. And when my race ends, then it ends. But I'm going to fight until that time. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. So I hope this, this helps you. Okay, wherever you're at in your life today. And I added this to my notes this morning. The, the destination, okay, the, the ticket that you have they don't give many paper tickets anymore for airplanes. It's, they're all on your phone, but you can't get them. And sometimes I do just because, I don't know, I'm paranoid. Okay, what if my phone dies? <laughs> okay, if you have a paper one, the, the ticket for eternity is either divine or it's devilish. <laughs> That's what I added this morning. It's either divine, it's heavenly, or it's devilish. It says, hell, where's your ticket? What's it say on it? What's the destination? If you had a ticket today and it had a destination, would it be heaven or would it be hell? There's only one way to know. Okay, the only way you know is by following what the Bible says, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot be good enough to get to heaven. And I'm glad because I would be in trouble. The only way to heaven is by giving your life to Jesus Christ, confessing your sins and asking him to be your Lord and Savior. That is the only way. That is the easiest way, guys. It is the easiest way is to simply just say, Jesus, I need you. And most of us in this building have done that. And the Bible says, if any man is in Christ, he is a what? A partially new creation? No, he says he is a, a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. 
If you've given your life to Christ, you're forgiven, you're on your way. The battle is just in between now and then. But if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I'm going to tell you, don't take another breath without giving your life to him. Amen. Heaven and hell hang in the balance. You get to determine your destination. God has done everything he can to get you to accept what his son did for us. And that's a cool thing. He did everything he could to save us. So if you bow your heads with me just for a moment, I don't want to let this moment pass without giving you an opportunity here. And I'm not here to pressure you or persuade you in a, in a way that, that you don't want to be persuaded, but I want here to offer you something. It's the same thing that God offers you. And that's an opportunity to know Jesus as your savior, to know that you know that you know that you know that the moment you die, you will be in heaven with Christ. And that's only by giving your life to him. And if you've never made that decision and you want to, I'm gonna ask you to be bold and brave and just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna point you out. I just wanna pray a prayer with you. But if that's you today, if you, if you like, man, I'm not really sure where I'm at with God. You need to know where you're at with God. Is there anybody that needs to make that prayer at all? Okay. All right, there's a hand in the back. Okay, and for those online too that may be watching, church family, just pray this together with me if you would out loud. Dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You prayed that prayer. Okay, you just got forgiven and you became a Christian and that's a, that's a great thing. Amen. Best day. Okay. But I tell you, it's right that if you don't have a Bible, get Pastor Chase's at the information. We have a Bible and it's called a New Believer's Book. It's like, okay, how do I be a Christian? Write the date, write today's date in it. Say, I gave my life to Jesus on this day. That one, that day, the day is so significant because the devil will try to say, well, it wasn't real. You didn't really mean it. No, you go back and go, no, on this day I did. See, I know on August 1st of 1992 that I got married. It's 92, right, babe? I'm like, <laughs> I graduated, yeah. Um, I had to think about that. Like, like I said, that softball blow to the head did nothing to me to affect anything. Um, you know, there's, there's days that I've never woke up and went, am I married? I'm not sure, right? No, because there's a date set to it. So if you gave your life to Jesus this day and then there's ever doubts that come in later on, no, 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 I remember on that day. I don't even know what today is. Is it May 6th or 7th? Okay, I didn't look at, I don't care. Um, it's a day, all right? May 7th, May June 7th. We should just leave. Um, just, just. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Thank you for being such a uh, compassionate, kind congregation. Um, I'm here to make you laugh, even if it's unintentional sometimes. Um, well, my name's John. Thanks for showing up today. Um, <laughs> why don't you just close with a song before I get in trouble?